In case you missed it from Kay earlier, today is Christ the King Sunday. I know, very exciting. It's very newish to the church calendar. In 1925, Pope Pius XI decided that to end the Christian year, we would remember that Christ was reigning right before we remember his birth. Pius wanted to call the world back to Christianity in a time that was becoming more secular and oppressive, as violence and warfare were coming to the forefront of the Christian mind. World War I had just ended, the Ku Klux Klan held a march in D.C., and Hitler was rebuilding the Nazi party. A lot of very non-Christian things were going on in the world. And Pius asserts that Christ the King calls us back to the spiritual world to which we belong. It reminds us that our current rulers are not the divine. The question is, what is Christ the King of? Pilate poses the same question to Jesus. Are you the King of the Jews? And Jesus, in a very standard Jesus-y way, says, well, that's what the people told you about me. Jesus does not call himself a king. In fact, I kept looking. I mean, surely somewhere he calls himself the king. Nope, not in any of the Gospels. No walking around and demanding kingship or respect for Jesus. No Simba moment where he proudly sings out, I'm gonna be a mighty king, so enemies beware. Brushing up, I'm looking down and working on my... Religion, I guess? I don't know what he would have said. I tried to fit that into the Christmas pageant, and Lee um, rejected me, so it's really sad. I know. But in Jesus' day, not so different than in ours. Kingship had a very different meaning from the way of Jesus. Kings, and most type of rulers, imply wealth, power, hierarchy, the destruction of one's enemy, none of the things Jesus is known for. In the disciples' world, Caesar is king and God and the all-powerful who rules with a mighty hand over the poor, keeping them in place. Tyrants like this are cruel and irrational. So when we look at our gospel passage, it isn't surprising that Jesus doesn't call himself a king in the way Pilate understands them. He allows Pilate to label him a king without fighting it, but he immediately flips Pilate's understanding. Are you the king of the Jews? Is Pilate asking if the Jews belong to Jesus? This, of course, is not the case. They don't belong to him. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus belongs to them. He is at work in their midst as one of them. Jesus' kingdom is not of this earth, and it will not be understood by those on earth, those in power, who only understand what they can put neatly into boxes, the ones who cannot share what they have with the ones sitting next to them in love. Christ came not to rule, as Pilate would expect from a king, but instead he came to testify to the truth, to the ones who listen to his voice, who listen to his stories, his parables, where he describes his kingdom to come. Now at this church, we don't say kingdom very often. Mostly we change it to kingdom, which according to Carolyn is apparently very hard for non-Southerners to say. 
Kingdom, No G, is popularized by Ada Marie Asasi Diaz after she heard it used by a friend. She's a Mujerista theologian, which means that she works for the liberation of Latina women. And she says that the kingdom makes it clear that when the fullness of God becomes a day-to-day -day reality in the world at large, we will all be sisters and brothers, kin to each other. Kingdom, in her usage, does away with hierarchies and power differentials and invites everyone to gather around a shared table with Jesus, to sit and be filled, to be loved and love in return. It calls us to see each other and the rest of creation as equals, all part of the family of God. And this idea fits particularly well for Methodists as John Wesley distinguishes between a servant of God and a son or a child of God. A servant obeys out of fear. A child, on the other hand, obeys God out of love, a kinship that understands the needs of the other, a commitment to one another that connects despite differences and pushes us to continue the relationship even when it's hard. A child of God is the more mature Christian who understands that the kingdom is not only about moral law, but about a bond of shared love and grace for all. I think this is more of the kingdom that Jesus describes as his. And Jesus describes his kingdom a lot, 37 times to be exact. It's a yeast, a seed, a treasure in a field, a child, pearl, mustard seed, lamps, a sower of seeds, wine, nets, two sons, bridesmaids, workers, and judges. My favorite thing about each of these parables is how mundane they are. The kingdom comes to us in ways we are familiar with and yet would never expect, kind of like a baby born to be a savior. The kingdom is things that start out small and grow to unexpected, unprepared for size. Some of these are still a little hard for us to understand. So maybe if we make the examples a little more personal, it'll help us see what Jesus meant. The kingdom of God is my best friend's mom, Miss Jill who insists that if you spend the night with her daughter, you will go to church the next morning. And the first couple times you go, it's uncomfortable. It's super weird that everyone speaks in unison and knows all the songs. But it's that same church where you feel at home in the youth group, and you finally feel like there's a place you can go and actually fit in with the other kids. And it's that same church where every pastor lets you sit in their office and ask big questions, even though they have a million other things going on. And after you've been there a while, it's the pastor lovingly referred to as Brojo, who sits with you and tells you all the things that he imagines you becoming before you can even see them within yourself. The kingdom of God is an ultimate Frisbee game at Lake Junaluska where you end up with a whole new group of friends by the end of the game. It's when you're talking to one of them later and you mention that you've been praying about where to attend church because you want to help with the youth group and he mentions that he's been looking for a youth intern that would pray about something like that, who then later helps you bridge the gap between the academy and the church. 
The Kingdom of God is a church plant in Galveston where every Tuesday they go surfing, where you slowly learn what to look for when catching a wave, where the other parishioners float next to you as you stare out into a vast sea and cheer you on as you're finally able to stand up and ride a wave in, who on Sunday mornings sit in a sanctuary filled with couches and pews so that everyone can find something they're familiar with and they can feel like they belong. The Kingdom of God is the playground at Heflin Elementary School in Houston, with its colorful basketball court lovingly painted by volunteers, where a mixture of kids from kindergarten all the way up to fourth grade, who are predominantly impoverished children of color, can laugh and play together as they forget the worries of school and home life and what's happening to their communities in the news. It's the way a five-year-old named Julia holds hands with another five-year-old named Mason who needs extra help getting from the blacktop back to the classroom. And she always makes sure to high-five her teacher on the way in as she encourages Mason to take a few more steps. The kingdom of God is the letters that I left on my door for a year after my grandfather died. Letters and pictures from friends who had written and colored me things, so that from the moment I got back to school, I would feel their love. Letters that were added to not only by my friends, but from my home church in Jackson, and from some of y'all who wrote me letters or simply greeted me with a hug and a kiss and said it's good to have you home. The kingdom of God is Naomi, as she laughs when she teaches me how to use an old school can opener complaining that she is too old. Or when she comes back and warns me about the edges of the lid I can't get off because she's worried that I or someone else will cut my hand on it. It's the way delicious food always seems to appear when you're around her. And someone your stomach and your heart end up feeling completely full by the end of your time together. The kingdom of God is the acts of so many people when they find an extra chair and plate, enough to share, and room for love. I think we may have forced the title of king onto Christ that he never agreed to. We try to fit him into boxes that we can understand, when in reality, the kingdom of God is a mystery. Christ is the inbreaking of God into our lives, our ordinary, everyday lives, that call us to remember that we are constantly working to bring that kingdom closer to ourselves. Pilate asks the same question that we keep coming back for, asking of Jesus, who are you? Are you a king, a tyrant, looking to control us? And Christ keeps answering the same way. You won't really understand who I am until you understand my goal here to show you what my kingdom can be, what you could be if you listen to my voice. This is not the thing we expect. It isn't something easy to understand. It is like the kingdom of God and a mystery, a kingdom that, like a mustard seed, grows to unimagined proportions. Like the yeast, it yields beyond expectation. Like the lamp, it lights the path for others to follow. Christ's kingdom is in our hearts as we prepare for the world to come by loving those in this one. While we pray for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, 
a kingdom where we all recognize the bonds of love that hold us together in mutuality. Christ's kingdom is unfolding before us in every ordinary moment where we work for justice for all of our kin, inviting them to join us in the work towards liberation. Amen.